Hello, 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 beloved, beloved, beloved Octavia's Parables listeners. This is Adrian. I just want to tell you a little bit about this first episode that we're launching our season with. So today it is Octavia E. Butler's birthday. And we wanted to celebrate her by releasing the first episode of Mind of My Mind. Mind of My Mind, book two of the Pattern series. We're very excited about it. <laughs> and after this, we're putting this out on her birthday, but after this, we'll be back to our normal schedule of releasing on Mondays. So the next episode will come out on June 27th. All right. For all of our beloved listeners, we know you really like getting the thing first thing Monday morning. We're going to take care of that. And we wanted to just remind you that we're ad free and totally independent as a podcast. If you want to join the Patreon, you really can. We love seeing you join. And that support really helps us keep moving this project into the world. We love you all. And we're really, really grateful for everyone who contributes to the show in all manner of ways. Thank you so much and enjoy. Are back. <laughs> I know, like, what's our back music? <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> this is Octavia's Parables, hosted by myself, Adrian Marie Brown, and my co host, the one and only Toshi Regan. This season, we are going to be reading. This is our fourth season, y'all. Get with it, yeah, okay? Yeah. Four whole seasons in, or we're going to be four whole seasons into this. And We are going to be going into the realm of mind of my mind this season, mind of my mind, Mm -hmm. which is, I guess you could call it book two of the Patternist series, although there's all kinds of magic and mystery around how many books are in (laughs) which series and all these things. But this is the Patternist series. Last season, we read Wild Seed, and I highly recommend at least listening to that season first before coming into this one, because it really lays the foundation for who the main characters are going to be in this one as well. Mm-hmm. And this series is actually the first series, the first full series that Octavia Butler envisioned, and she wrote it backwards. <laughs> so for her experience, I think this was the third or fourth book do. that she wrote. So we're excited to get into it. And Toshi, how are you doing as we enter into this fourth season? Yeah, I don't know about y'all out there, but I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm just, ex- <laughs> yeah, sing it, sing it, sing it. Yeah. You know, I just got back up in these streets, you know, just did my first flights and train mm-hmm. rides and been in theaters. Thank you, everybody who's come out to these parable shows. Y'all are filling the halls up. We have had a wonderful time. And um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really happy to see you i'm happy we've gotten to yeah. collaborate with the parables as well so yeah you know i'm hanging mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. i love that i you know 
for our listeners to know, Toshi and I got to see each other for the first time since season one. So we we realized yeah. we got to be on stage together at the Parables in Boston and, and in D.C. But in Boston, it was like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, we haven't even been in the same space. It feels like <laughs> you've been my constant companion, you know, in some ways through this pandemic because we've talked. Yes. But it was so wonderful. And I, I do wish for all of our listeners that you get at least one good reunion, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. in these months. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I'm doing well. I also, I traveled to see family and to see parables. And mm-hmm. it was really daunting. It's like, it's really, it's wild out there, y'all. It's, it's wild. wild. And I felt really grateful that I was like, okay, I know how to take care of myself inside of this and the people that I love. I see them taking care of themselves. And that's mm-hmm. what we can do right now in the pattern. But it's interesting to move through the world and be like, oh, I can see who else shares a value with me in a visible way in a different way than I usually do. So let's get into this. Let's get into this book, Toshi. Tell us what, where do we start? Where do we prologue us? Yeah, this prologue is, is big and deep and yeah, it's, it's good to check in on wild seed before if you can, but this prologue definitely sets you up for where the adventure you're about to have. So we are now in Southern California and we are with Doro and we have, we have moved up, I think about 150 years mm-hmm. maybe from, I'm just guessing from, from something that's mm-hmm. said in the book from Wild Seed, you know, so this is our, this is our welcoming into the story. So Doro arrives in this town in uh, Forsyth, California and the first thing that we find out is that Doro's widow, he's left her alone uh-huh. too long. And he returns because he's had a child with this woman. And the child is, he can just feel he took too long to come and check in on them. And so when he finds her, she's not in the beautiful house in the good part of town that he purchased for her. She's not you know, utilizing the funds that he's had mm. sent to her. She's in the, she's in the wrong uh-huh. side of town uh-huh. and she's an alcoholic. She's not in really good shape to take care of a child. And um, he says she's a prostitute, but I think it's even a little bit more complex mm-hmm. than that. It's very clear that she is one of Doro's people and that she has some issues with being one of Doro's people, which means that she has voices mm. in her head and she's just, you know, hearing things that she that she doesn't want to hear. She's very troubled. And so she has a relationship to needing men that, you know, Doro would say she's a prostitute, but it's actually a part of her yeah. self, you yeah. know, care. And, you know, so the drinking, the, the meeting the men, and then the fact that she has what we find out is a three-year-old um, daughter named Mary. And Mary is not being mm. cared for well. And Doro finds Mary. Mary's a little too skinny. Mary's um, has welts and bruises on her body. She's in a bed, in bed sleeping. Um, she's not covered in clothes. Mm. And of course, you know, Doro's not here for that. So he enters into Rena. This is the mother's name, Rena's, Rena's world, and is in her apartment. There's a drunk guy in there. First, he goes to check on Mary, 
And when he sees what the situation is, he is like very clear this drunk guy needs to leave. And so Rena is just like really trying to get the guy to leave. She's like, come on, you got to yeah, get like, out of here. Yeah, like don't fuck around. <laughs> find out. <laughs> no. That's not, not your normal <laughs> don't visitor. Don't fuck around and find yeah. out. No, this is not a, you know, yes, it looks like a dude, but that's not a dude. Right? No. So she, she's really working hard. She's just like, yo, you need to you need to get on out of here. And the guy is like, nah, I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to do yeah. what I got to do. And I'm a man and all of this stuff. And is like picking up his knife and, you know, and Doro just walks over to him and the guy like, you know, stabs the body that Doro's in. And then the next thing you know, that guy's dead because, of course, Doro took Oof. his body. I just can't. And, um, and Dor- I just can't. Like, <laughs> just so Octavia, much. what were you thinking? What were you up to? Okay, keep going. <laughs> what are you up to? Yes. But it's true. So he just gets up and he's just like, you know. Mm. So there's a the dead old Doro body on the floor, which, you know, Doro's mad now because that body was like very good and strong and healthy. And now he's in this drunk guy, little drunk <laughs> man's body, and he's like, not okay. happy. And he says... You know, when Doro takes a body and if you did not, you know, read Wild Seed, you know, Doro is, you know, an ancient, 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 ancient being. And he does not actually have a body of his own. So he is a being that exists through taking others' bodies. And when he takes the body, the person dies, no longer exists. So he takes his body, the body is surprised and angry and then a little fearful and then just gives up and says, okay, that was, I, I messed up. So here you can Mm. have this body. And Rena is just, is like, you know, shocked because she can see, she saw the whole thing. She saw Doro get killed. Then she saw Doro take the other body. And she's of course terrified. And Doro has had a history of once he, you know, gets what he wants from someone, he's, gonna take uh-huh. their body like he doesn't need need the people to exist so i'm sure all kinds you know all kinds of feelings you know are going through her but the main one is fear and being so afraid uh really pulled her into a sober state you know because now she doesn't know yeah. what's going to happen and so he he puts an arm around her he's like let's sit down on the couch and he's trying to find out like what's going on Like, why is she, you know, allowing this kind of behavior around this child? And so he says, you know, I can take Mary if you want me to. And she is like, you know, I'm not sure about that. And he's like, I can find a home for you. She does not, she does not want to go to a nice house. She does not want to be in a nice part of town. You know, I got quotations on this nice part of town thing, but Mm -hmm. she does not, she doesn't want to do that. And she's like, I'm sick. You know, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not mm-hmm. myself. Like, I'm, you know, it's hard for me. And when he was like, you know, have a baby, she told him, like, I don't like babies. Like, I don't want to be around babies. And there's just a way Dora was attentive when she was pregnant. And then he just left her once the baby was born. And she's like, that's not my gift. Like, you thought you could just, you know, put me up in a house and give me money and like people to support me. And that's, that's right. not going to work. You know, she's like, I hate kids. And <laughs> and he was like, it doesn't matter. And, you know, here is where we see like the way Doro navigates people and navigates their conditions and doesn't listen to them and doesn't pay attention to like the That's truth right. that they tell him. 
and she's like, my hands shake. Sometimes I hear voices, I sweat, and my head hurts, and I want to cry or I want to scream. Nothing helps but drinking and, and maybe finding a guy. And he's like, you won't drink so much from now on. And there was a silence. And she's like, she just feels like he always wants so much. And she's like, do I have to give up men too? And he was like, if I come back and find Mary back black and blue again, I'll take her. And if anything happens to her, I will kill you. And then she's like, but I can keep the men, right? If I, if I do what you want, I can yeah. keep my men. And he's like, you have to keep them away from Mary. It's, you can have them. So um, oh. she's just like, I can't help it. Something is wrong with me. I can't help it. You made me what I am. I ought to hate your guts for what you made me. And then he's like, you don't hate me. And you don't have to defend yourself to me. I don't condemn you. And he caresses her. And he's like, just wondering about like, how she could want life so bad and fight so hard uh. for it. It's, it's uh -huh. so interesting. Uh -huh. It's just so interesting. And in producing her daughter, she had performed the function that he had wanted her to. And he reflects on how he just used mm -hmm. to kill people. And so once they did what he wanted, he just used to kill them. And then, you know, in Wild Seed, in his uh, life with Anyanwu, this really disgusted mm -hmm. her. And so it's a part of his transformation that he learned to not mm -hmm. kill them, but to treat them kindly and allow them to be servants. And he found that a lot of times when he was nice to these people, they, they worked very yep. hard for him <laughs> and lived their lives. So she asked him to stay. Rena asked him to stay for a few days. And he's like, I'm going to stay to help you get moved out of here. And... And she's she has a great fear of being by herself. She doesn't she doesn't like it. She doesn't want to be someplace sprawling. So he's like, Nope, I'm gonna just move you a little further from here. You'll still be in the same neighborhood. You're gonna go to a place where you have um relatives. Mm -hmm. And he also just brings up that she's more comfortable there because so many of her relatives yeah. are there. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, but she doesn't want to live with somebody either. So he's like, You'll be close to them. And you won't be by yourself. And so, <laughs> and then she was not understanding exactly, you know, what he meant. But he says, you're going to live next door to a woman. And that she's her grandmother several times removed. And Rena's terror returned in full force. And she's like, she's like you, an immortal. And he's like, no, she's not like me. She doesn't kill people. Um, but she might be able to help yeah. with Mary. And... You know, this is what happens with Doro is that like people want it to be about them, but it's never about them. It's always about something that he wants. And so Rena's having feelings. Everything's yeah. for Mary. You know, it's so important. And then he says she is very important. And now Rena suddenly starts to get this energy like a concerned mm -hmm. mother and she's frowning at him and she's like, is she going to be sick? Is she going to be crazy like me? Like she doesn't. She doesn't want that for her child. And he explains that she'll be like her at first, but she'll grow out of it. And he tells her it's not really a disease. And she says it is mm -hmm. to me. Um, but I'll keep her and move, like you said, to this grandmother's house and ask what the woman's name is. And the woman's name is Emma. Mm -hmm. And she started to call herself Emma 150 years ago as a joke. 
but it means grandmother or an ancestress. It means she's somebody you can trust to watch and help and not make sure Mary doesn't get hurt. So then we move on and we get to see Emma. And I, you know, if you are a wild seed reader, you know that mm -hmm. Emma is yeah. Anyamwu. It's very hard for me not to call, keep calling her Anyanwu, but I'm oh, respecting the text. I know, same. <laughs> I'm just like, Anyanwu. I'm just like, and Anyanwu. Secretly, it's Anyanwu. We all know that. <laughs> we all know this. Um, so Emma is up in her house, and it, very often she appears to us like in a kitchen mm -hmm. cooking something. Mm -hmm. Do you notice Always. that? Like when we see her? Yeah, she's in, the, she's in her kitchen. She's making some breakfast. She hears someone at her front door. And she's hobbled through her dining room toward the door and it opens up and a slight young man steps in and she's in a stoop. She's as an, a, an ancient elder, but she straightens up when somebody walks into her house. She was not afraid. A couple of boys had broken into her house and so she was ready. And then she hears, it's me, M," said the young man smiling and she relaxed and smiled but she didn't. Um, she did not let her body sink back into its stoop, and she asked, "What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in New York." And um, suddenly, he Doro explains he realizes he needs to check in on his people and a relative, mm -hmm. a little girl. And then he's like, you know, looking at her in a certain kind of way, and she's like, "Let's just sit down so you can ask me that favor yeah. you're about to ask me." And this is a thing where Doro is just consistently over the hundreds of years um, bringing his his kids to Anyanwu Emma to yes. raise because she's a gifted 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 healer but she says I can't really I don't have any room I have some people yeah. living next door and then he's just like well how soon can you move mm -hmm. them out <laughs> he's got no yeah. chill and then she says the question is will I move him out at all and why should I and so he explains um, that he has a youngster who's going to be too much for the mother in a few years. And right now the mother is too much for her. And he goes on to tell the story that, that I just I just told you all about. About how the mom is a, um, lets others abuse her. And so she's she's like the child. Emma's like the child would be better off adopted into another family. And Doro doesn't want to do that. He thinks she's going to need need to be around very, very strong mm -hmm. people. She wants to know what is up with the kid. Like, what are her abilities? What is going to happen? And Doro doesn't tell her because Doro is like, she'll be a very strong telepath and would rather her grow into her gifts than yeah. read, you know, Emma's mind to find out what it'll be. And Emma's like very much concerned because Doro and his breeding programs have had some very, very, very horrible, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. It's just like he's created, you know, some very monstrous people who can't yeah. handle. Yeah, exactly. So all of her predecessors are dead. They were all failures. So she is like, you know, I'll, I'll actually read this part. She didn't like having anything to do with his projects when she could help it. They always involved children, always had to do with his breeding programs. For all but the first few centuries of his 4,000-year life, he had been struggling to build a race around himself. He existed, apparently, as a result of a mutation millennia past, 
His people existed as a result of less widely divergent mutations and as a result of nearly 4,000 years of controlled breeding. He now had several strong mutant strains, which he combined or kept separate as he wished. And behind him, he had an untold number of failures, dangerous or only mm -hmm. pathetic, which he had destroyed as casually as people slaughter cattle. So this is this is what Doro does, and Emma is really not trying to be a part of it and does not want to raise any more children. Emma's raised lots and 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 lots of children, and she's done. And uh, he's like, I thought you would say that, but let me move them next door. <laughs> and, and then she's like, what are you going to do with her after she's matured if she's a success? And he's like, well, I guess I can tell you that she's part of my latest attempt to bring my active telepaths together. I'm going to try to mate her with another telepath without killing either of them myself. And I'm hoping that she and the boy I have in mind are stable enough to stay together without killing each other. That will be a beginning. And Emma shook her head like me and Adrian shaking our heads <laughs> right now. Like, like, maybe y'all are shaking your heads because it's a lot. Um, and Emma's reflecting on how many lives have been lost um, as he's, he pursues his dream. And he's like, I want them together. Did you think I had given up? I keep hoping you'll give up for the sake of your people, Emma says. He has colonies of people all over the place. And basically, you know, they vibrate amongst themselves. They can be separate colonies, but they're aware yeah. of each other. And they become this, like, there's not like a love and a like, well, let's just all come together and do something. It's like he's created people that kind of can't tolerate each other. And he tries to keep them separate. And then he tries to mate across with specific people. And he's so many people have been lost through this adventure of his. So she's not here for it. And, you know, she makes it clear to him that he can't take credit yeah. for her and that she's as much of an accident as he was. And she really lets him know that her people have been separated from his families for hundreds of years before she was born. And they had merged with the people they took refuge among and they still managed to produce mm. her. And Doro's basically been trying to reproduce Emma slash Anyanwu forever. And this is, it's very wild. It's like, you know, most of their people live regular human lives in terms of their lifespan, unless Doro kills them. And then a few have gotten to live longer, but nobody is like Anyanwu or Emma and Doro. So Emma is, you know, feeling that, that he has valued her her new strain too much. And he they're going into their past where Doro became very frustrated with her and Doro really wanted to, you know, thought about killing her. But then he realized like he couldn't really exist without her, that he actually had a companion, um, someone who could move through centuries. And so the two of them are married and then they also marry mm -hmm. other people. And he always returns to her. And he basically had to change mm -hmm. his ways because she was like, I'm not going to stay here if you're going to be this horrible, horrible, horrible person. Um, it was his, you know, his casually murderous attitude that finally caused her to tire of him. 
and she prepared to kill herself. And in preparing to kill herself, um, Doro just did the biggest, most desperate man begging for a woman mm. not to leave him ever. <laughs> and <laughs> like, I won't kill anybody. She stayed, <laughs> yeah, I won't kill anybody. He said. Oh. I mean, he's. But um, they made it. They made a deal. They made some arrangements, and he he has stuck to what he mm. promised her. And so she agrees to support Rena and Mary and let them move into her building. And he says, and with that, you know, you'll get to see me more if they're over Mm -hmm. here. And she Mm -hmm. likes that. She likes that a lot. So she starts to transform her body from this ancient, you know, elder into her, you know, beautiful, youthful self, which is like a 26-year-old gorgeous black woman from the motherland and they have this interesting conversation while that's happening around you know emma wishes that the child Mm. was a boy and doro is glad that the child is a girl and you know has this idea like it's going to be easier and emma emma warns him like that's not really necessarily you know so and um <laughs> and so they have that conversation and then she's transformed and she's gorgeous and and Duro says I can't understand why you spend so much time as an old woman and she clears her throat and says I am an Literally. old woman. Literally. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I am. She's like I I really yes. am an old woman and she just is like most people are happy to leave ugly old women alone. So with that, you know, they get to have a nice um reunion. And we find out that he thinks like, you know, you need a project. But she's like, no, I finally written the trilogy of novels that I was planning when we lived together last. History, my story. The critics marveled at my realism. My work is powerful, compelling. I'm a born storyteller. He laughed. Well, he says, hurry up and finish reshaping yourself and I'll give you some more <laughs> material. Ah, doom. Um, it's so deep it's so deep the compromises this com- the complexity of this mm-hmm. relationship is intense um, mm-hmm. so a few questions here for you beloved listeners around this prologue first of all just what did you remember from wild seed what stands out to you from wild seed how much of this as you're reading and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I have to say, and I think we talked about this last season some, I almost always like remember the love story or the dynamic between them and I forget mm-hmm. how brutal he is. That's and, right. You know, that's socialization. But, you know, I, re- I remember her as a shapeshifter and a healer and all of that, but it's really, I appreciate what Octavia does with this prologue of like, okay, just don't forget, mm-hmm. let's start out with Adoro Kill. Because that's who Doro is, and that's mm-hmm. how he handles stuff. But he's trying, mm-hmm. right? So he's he's made some effort. So I want y'all to really reflect on, like, yeah, what what stands out to me about Emma slash Anyanwu? What stands out to me about Doro? What's the energy you're feeling? You know. And then my second question is the people that Doro is playing with, you know, trying to breed and create something new. They suffer so much. They suffer alone. Mm. They suffer longing for love from him. They suffer longing for community. They suffer in their gifts. Like 
having these gifts that are unwieldy and unmanageable. And I wonder as you're reading it, as you're listening, are there any of the powers that these people have that you could imagine being worth the suffering that they're experiencing? Hmm. So that's the first question. Just to ask yourself, it's like, well, yeah, but if I could hear everyone's thoughts, you know, I would I would go for that, right? Not me. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't want to hear. Not me. I don't, I don't, I don't want that gift at all. Um, I already hear too much. And then I th- <laughs> I'm just like, I'm good. And actually that ties in. The next sub question I have on this one is, do you know people or do you have any of these powers, right? Like, do you know mm. people? Like, I think I know people who are suffering from having psychic abilities that the world is not ready for and that they don't necessarily know how to That's use right. or harness. And I feel like I know some people mm-hmm. who are learning to harness. I don't know any folks who are like, mastered it, got it, <laughs> you know, but I do know some folks who are like yeah, figuring out how to work with some powers that feel beyond the norm. So just reflect on that. Look and scan your family, scan your family histories, like the oral histories and the stories that mm. got passed down about, you know, do you have family members who always seem to know things or family members who ended up being locked away or became secret mm-hmm. um, or, mm-hmm. you know, people called them crazy, you know, just just mm-hmm. think about, can you see those people through a different lens of of possibility you know are these doros children are these children of some kind of powers yeah that's right this next question is tender how much human suffering is related to the longing for love and particularly a kind of Mm. parental love a total unconditional love the longing for that rereading the text this time i was really moved by how much people long for Doro's love, like because he is so brutal and so f- fickle in 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 most of his relationships. It's it's just like life means almost nothing, and each individual's need means almost nothing to him. And it's like the less they mean, the more they're longing. You know, especially if they get a taste of like, oh, he noticed that I'm special, mm-hmm. but quickly it's like I'm not right. special enough to protect. I'm not special enough. Like even, even Mary, she's three years old. Three years is mm-hmm. a lot of life to live in that level of neglect and suffering, right? Those are formative years. Much. That's one day, one moment of that, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm a, it's you know, terrible. for me, I'm like, when it comes to kids, there's just no amount of that <laughs> is acceptable. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, I'm like, even someone who he's like, she's special to me. And even with that, you know, he's let her linger in suffering. But I see Rena, Rena's like orientation towards him of like, I need comfort. I need to be like loved. I I don't want (laughs) some other, I don't want you to buy me a big house and put me up in a thing and give me money. I want your attention and your care and your love, you know? And I want my men and, and my I'm drink. I'm going to need my men and my like, drink. It, well, but in, in a way to <laughs> numb that, right? Like it felt like such a clear yeah. articulation of like, I need to be touched yeah. and I need to be soothed. I need to have something that helps me manage this, mm-hmm. right? And when That's I think right. about my own journey with substance use, when I think about my lineage of substance users and and 
you know, I have a strong affinity with my grandmother and my grandmother, like me, was just someone who's like, yes, I have a lot of lovers and a lot of substance use in my life, you know, and (laughs) she was doing it at a different time. And so it Mm -hmm. had different impacts and results. So she had different freedom and not freedom, you know, but I, I just think about this. I look around at our world right now and I'm like, there's so much suffering and how much of that could be alleviated by reimagining how, how we nurture each other with parental love. Like how do we give that to Mm -hmm. each other? Yeah. Yeah. Our love you know, I just was reading this beautiful Humans of New oh, York yes. story about, you know, a debate mm, team and okay. like a, you know, a school of black children and this one teacher, I'm going to forget the name, but the teacher, um, when they met the teacher, a teacher was a woman and then it, like transitioned and is a trans ah. man. And the, the kids were like, and then came in one day and was like, hi, this is me. And how the kids were like, okay, let's yeah. keep it moving. And because this teacher had like just instilled so much energy and vibration and love into yes. their lives. But the the person, the person who the story centered on um, had really shaky parents, you know, drug abuse yeah. and things like that. And the teacher had to leave the school. And so the person assumed, like, when the teacher left the school, that they were oh. leaving them. And it was this whole, like, situation, and they just went into a oh. swirl. But eventually, it's a beautiful story. I recommend everybody look at it. And they, you know, they find each other later. And it, it's amazing. They're, they're doing amazing work together. Uh, it's a It's a very powerful story. So even if it's not a parent, it's like the person who shows up. Yeah. And looks at you like you have a right to be here and I'm going to yes. hold your hand and and support your journey. And the journey was not 100% right and yeah. it had pain and suffering and danger and all of these things. But eventually it, it got someplace. And I, I think you're right. Like people, so many people, even when you hear movies uh you know one of my friends did a documentary on you know people who fight in wars and every single one of these people's story was about being hurt younger in their life and that that was the road that made them be like well this is cool you know like it's there's something in their life some way they weren't seen or cared for or didn't have enough attention or you know something that i mean i feel like my years doing somatics teaching and and holding rooms full of people healing my years as a facilitator Mm -hmm. of movement space, my years as a coach, like Mm -hmm. all throughout it, my years in therapy and around the therapists, other therapists, it's like over and over again, it's like what happens in that formative time when your magic is unveiling itself, you know, your, your, your earliest period where you're like, I am, really curious. I am really magical. I am really whatever it is, but also your distinctions really start to show. And Mm -hmm. I, I call it parental love, but I really, it is, is that unconditional love. It's like, however you show up, Mm -hmm. I am here for that. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of my friend Sterling Tolls, who's a Detroit based artist and musical creator and magician, like super magic, you know, everyone who meets Sterling, just your shoulders Mm -hmm. drop. 
you feel the free, like, you're like, oh, you're rooted all the way into like the core of the earth. <laughs> but one of the things he says mm-hmm. is he sees himself as a dressing room that people can try on their true selves. And when they're with him, yes. they can just try it on, see how it feels, be that. And then they can choose, you know, where to move from that place. And I think of that mm-hmm. in relationship to this question, in relationship to like Doro and Emma and like what's being cultivated. It's like you're cultivating people with a lot of special power, but there's no gentle dressing room in which they can try out who they are and be held to experiment and learn their power, right? It's like you're in the Mm -hmm. world suffering, struggling, longing for love, feeling neglected, feeling abandoned, being paired with someone who at minimum you're like, hopefully they won't kill each other. That's the standard for your life. Like, no, you know, that that's, it's such an, a slave master way of thinking and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so it troubles me so much to see emma you know unable to fully break with it like there's no place where she's fully free from it and in fact still feel attracted to someone who operates this way Mm -hmm. so i'm like her suffering is is that she keeps feeling this pull this attraction this connection to someone who who Mm -hmm. thinks this way yeah So, which leads me to my next question, which is, have you ever felt anger at your creator? Have you ever felt anger at your creator, right? So we see folks here who've been breeded, who've been created, and just being like, I would rather die than continue with what you've given me. I don't want what you've given me. I'm angry. You know, the the anger that people feel at Doro, unable to break free from him. They are tortured and unstable. That's how they keep being described. And again, because they have these powers, have you ever felt anger about what you were given, about the life circumstances, the shaping? And of course, this is filtered through who were you told is your creator? Who do you believe is your creator? How do you believe you came to be, right? And I remember a crucial moment in my coming out process where it was like, you can't be gay, you know, in a Christian world view, right? That can't happen. (laughs) But also I'd been raised in a world where God makes no mistakes. You know, God Mm -hmm. is omnipotent and perfect and doesn't make mistakes and has an agreement that he'll no longer punish the humans, you know, like all of those things. So I was like, so (laughs) the way that I am is the way that I am. And if God makes no mistakes, the way that I am must be another perfect being. So how could I be angry about that? Right. Um, But I'm like, I know so many people who are like, yeah, there was a period where I was angry for being gay or angry once I realized I was trans or angry once I realized I was, I was neurodivergent or, you know, different things, right? Where it's like, why? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask people to reflect on that. Have you ever felt that anger? And was it an actual anger at how you were created? Or is it an anger at a society that was socialized in some way to make you think that you were wrong? Right? Yeah. Yeah. You always knew you were right. I know. I always knew I was right. I like I have to tell you right out the bat, my people were like, "Oh my god, yes, you're so yes." It's one of my favorite things <laughs> about really you. I love talking with you because I'm like, "Oh, 
you were always right. <laughs> That's and, what it looks yeah. like. And I, I had a mom that, you know, was like defended me in, in an instant. You know, one of those go to the school and, and be like, so she's not standing up for the um, Pledge of Allegiance. Like, don't you dare, mm-hmm. you know, do this. Don't you put your hands on Toshi. Yes. Like, like, my mom would jump in front of me at yep. any time, you know. And I was I, I was definitely not like what people would think of like a kid should be. Um, but my mom was like, you're exactly what a kid should be and mm-hmm. you're perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when she didn't understand me. I found out later that she would have talks with other people <laughs> to try to understand me. So she she wouldn't practice uh-huh. on me. She would go to somebody else. Like she went to my aunt, my May Francis, and was like, "Toshi just wants to play football, <laughs> and she she never wants to wear dresses, and she always wants to wear pants, and she always wants to roll up one leg of her me pants, too. and like this, like she always like she's like." She hangs out with boys all the time. Like she like kind of looks like a little boy. Like and my Aunt May Frances was like, Well, you know, Bernice, you know, you stopped straightening your hair and you wore afros and then you came home and you were dressed in African clothes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, You you went to yeah. jail. <laughs> she's like she's like, you know, Toshi just following in your footsteps. She's like, it's exactly the same thing. And once my yeah. mom had that, it was Got like it. You know, she just, she got it so strong. She was just a really great support system for all of the the ways I wanted to move around the world. And I I think that part about like she didn't understand something and she went and got help from somebody else. That's such a beautiful, beautiful offering. That's such a beautiful gift. Like I feel, you know, I, I similar, like my parents are very like pro Adrian, you know, ride or die for Adrian. I always say it's one of the great privileges of life to have Mm -hmm. caretakers who are like, I see you and it's a celebration, you know, that's great. That's right. Um, And I, I think my parents were, were much more shaped by like, and you know, there's a a way to be like growing up. I feel like I kept having to remind them like y'all were already transgressive. So you know, mm-hmm. you you were the first transgression by marrying the way you did outside of what you were told was appropriate racial love story. So I'm like, That's right. so y'all, the transgression was before I was born of mm-hmm. the transgression of your beliefs. So now you kind of have to keep letting them go. Right. Like, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you, already you already started, started this well. whole thing off. Like the fact mm-hmm. that I want to play with gender and play with sexuality and play with everything like mm-hmm. you, I am a continuation of the question you started asking when you've met each other, you know? That's good. So I'm like, don't be angry at me. <laughs> don't be angry that you, yeah, yeah like, you made it, me. you did this. But I, I do think that less so about aspects of my identity, but more so for aspects of my mental health and, mm. and body, you know, there's been places where I'm like, I don't understand why you would give me arthritis with, you know, like right. why I would have allergies to the natural world which i'm madly in love with like it's like i literally want to go cuddle with the earth and like every time i'm like i'm gonna break out in hives and sneeze and (laughs) like i'm not allowed to um and you know i don't know why why paranoia would need to be a part of my (laughs) mental shape up you know like so there's a i feel like a more of a question than an anger but i definitely feel like 
until I figure out how to use a gift, I often feel uh, anger around having received Mm -hmm. it. So like, as I'm learning to harness stuff, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, my allergies are part of my boundary system. And like, I don't have them when I'm in the right Mm -hmm. setting for me. And Mm -hmm. my, you know, my body is telling me to slow down. And when I slow down and move with intention, I don't experience much pain. And like, how do I harness the wisdom of like the dis-ease is actually related to what we're surviving and not what I was given. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I want to hear what people think about this one. And I have one last question here, which is, you know, we're moving through this period of lots of learning about relationship. You know, I, I always have to remind myself that how humans do relationship changes with every generation. Like, what we mean by Mm -hmm. marriage, what we mean by fidelity, monogamy, honesty, love, you know, all of that shifts and changes. And as we, as we continue to evolve and grow, what love looks like continues to evolve and grow. So right now we're in this phase where we think of love as something that is a romantic bond, that marriage should be rooted in that romantic bond in some way. It's not just a property arrangement. You know, that's the story we're given, regardless of what's actually happening. <laughs> and and then there's a lot of talk right now about boundaries. I just finished reading Nedra Tawab's incredible book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Prentice Hemphill's quote, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and myself simultaneously is now viral. Mm-hmm. And I literally call it the Hemphill method. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, pr- I'm practicing the Hemphill <laughs> method in my life. And... <laughs> You know, so we're learning about like, okay, so there's love and then there's boundaries and like, that's what we're in. And of course, Mm -hmm. Octavia, so prescient, like gives us a couple that is doing that in their own way. So I want to ask people, how does Doro and Emma's dynamic feel to you, right? Does it feel familiar? Does it feel sexy? Does it feel dynamic, interesting? Does it feel like peers, do you see boundaries being honored? You know, what boundaries are being set and what's being honored? Are there boundaries that feel necessary and absent? Mm-hmm. How does this power dynamic feel to you, right? Would you rock with this relationship? What would you do if you were Emma? What would you do if you mm-hmm. were Doro? So just get into it. Okay. Yeah, way get way into, into it. it. So that's... Our prologue. That's That's our our prologue. prologue, We are jumping into that deep water. And I've got credits. (laughs) So I'm like, I have credits. So once again, we're your co-host and we're going to be your co-host all season long. Adrienne Marie Brown, Toshi Regan. Our producer is Kat Aaron, who is also, when she's not producing for us, is producing tons of award-winning podcasts in other places. Um, yeah. So maybe I'll ask Kat if we can get little trailers from her other podcast to play here because they're we really incredible. The they're really um, good. Our show art is from Krista Franklin. We are our transcribed by Jess Pinkham. And you can find us on Twitter at O Parables. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash O Parables. And we really love and appreciate the people who are helping support this podcast. Um, It's listener supported. 
that's how that's the only way it happens. So we're grateful to you. And transcripts you. for all episodes will be and are live at our website, which is readingoctavia.com. Okay. And music, music for <laughs> Octavia's Parables is You Don't Know the Time, written and performed by Toshi Regan. And the Sower song, written by Bernice Johnson Regan and performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, Memorial Hall, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We love y'all so much. Have a good day. Oh, wait, can I just also say, can we say happy birthday to ya? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Octavia. Happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, like everyone, Um, I'm sure you all have little Octavia altars somewhere in your home by now. If you don't, you can make a little birthday altar for our ancestor and just raise her up on her birthday. Yay. A sower went out to sow her seed. A sower went out to sow the